Hello there, I'm Julie Vadnall, Deputy Editor of Domino, and this is Design Time, The Rebellious Ones. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know that we interviewed some of the biggest names in interior design. But this season, I'm doing things a little differently. I'm gonna be talking to rebels, the -the out-of-the-box thinkers who put their creative stamps on our world, whether they work in design, fashion, or even food. After all, you don't have to paint a room all black to be a rebel, though I think that'd be super cool. Some of us engage in tiny acts of resistance every day, and that counts too. Each week, I'll talk to a new guest, a rebellious one, if you will, about how they turn off the doubting voices in their heads and how you can find your only you style. Let's do this. My guest today is insanely cool. She runs her own creative design studio called Beffy, which has collaborated with brands you might have heard of like Nike and Jordan. And she co-owns the store Union in Los Angeles, which I recently visited. And honestly, there's a pair of Marnie loafers there that I still have my eye on and I regret not buying that day. I'm still dreaming about them. She's a judge on HBO Max's The Hype. And her home, which she shares with her husband and two sons, was featured in our summer digital issue. It was a pleasure to write that story and speak with her then. It's a pleasure to speak with her now. Please welcome Beth Burkett to Design Time, The Rebellious Ones. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me, Julie. Thank you for being here. I am so thrilled to talk with you once again. This is third or fourth time now, so I'm super pumped. I hope it never ends. I love our conversations. And before we really get deep into this one, we ask everyone to fill out this sentence. Hi, I'm Beth Burkett, and I'm a rebel blank. Hi, I'm Beth Burkett, and I'm a rebel mother, wife, creator, all of the above. Amazing. Your rebelliousness spans all the things you do, it sounds like. Yeah, no, definitely. I think because all of the things that I at least try to do, I've never necessarily seen someone like myself do. So it's always a challenge, but I think that's what makes me the rebel. You are the rebel. I want people to know some of the things you do. I listed some of those things, but let's say like someone's never met you and you say hi to them at a party and they're like, hey, Beth, what do you do? What's your line? Like, what do you tell them? Because you do so much. I like telling stories. Really, I like telling any kind of stories, whether it's through clothing, through shoes that I've designed, through my home, any space that I occupy, I like to fill it with my story. My travels, the things that I'm into, could be color palette that I'm into at the time. I'm constantly changing and evolving and I love to kind of, that's my way of sharing who I am. So that's why it's hard for me to have small talk with people and explain that because they don't really understand or I'm not really good at articulating it with words. I'm better at just showing you. (laughs) I feel like with your home, I got a good sense of who you were by seeing your home and seeing your art and seeing the colors and seeing how it all came together. Wow. Yeah. And it's not something I don't think I'm conscious of when I'm doing it. And a lot of people might think I'm all over the place because I do so many things, but it's all just really intentional and just to tell my story because again, I've never necessarily seen someone like me do the things that I 
have done or I'm trying to do. So it just brings the different perspective and people aren't used to seeing it, but it's hard to explain. And I'm really trying to get it out of my brain, which is the challenge, right? That's the rebellion because most people wouldn't try and I will still try and make it happen. And a lot of times I'll fail because it's like, okay, you know what? That just doesn't work. Like you just can't have this color with this pattern and texture in the form of a dress or in the form of wallpaper. It doesn't always work. So it's the experimentation and it's the process that I actually enjoy even with the failures. So I just have to like not care what people think when they're like, ooh, you did that too. <laughs> Well, I think <laughs> one of the marks of a rebel, to me at least, is someone who doesn't care what people think. So are you not scared of failing? Um, I wouldn't say I'm not scared of failing. I think we all have the idea in our heads. We all have the goal that we don't want to care what people think. I think everybody cares what people think. I just make it a point to not let that stop me from doing either it again or doing something else. And that's how I look at it. I love that because I think we all get scared. It's just whether we let that stop us or whether we fight through it. Exactly. Because it's very uncomfortable when someone's like, ew, what's that? Or they don't get it or whatever. It doesn't feel good. I mean, it's actually a really painful process creating, especially when you are challenging yourself and doing something you might not have created before. And it's just moving through that uncomfortableness. And sometimes you stay in it for a long period of time. In fact, I've worked on a couple projects. I mean, by the time it comes out, you're still stuck with these decisions that you made. I think that's been the challenge for me having my own business and designing because it takes away from the creativity. And that's the part that I enjoy the most. Well, I think deadlines can be kind of joy killers in a way, because to me, at least a story is never finished. Like even though it went to print, there's so many different ways I could have told it. Totally. Do you feel like your home is kind of like that? Like, I know your home was in Domino and that felt like a certain deadline, but do you see it more as an evolution? Oh, definitely. I mean, it was like it highlighted all the things that I need to work on. It was definitely a good motivation to work on my house, getting it done, and even just taking more risks because the places where I knew I was safer when I go to safe, I always regret those. I actually regret the safer moments. <laughs> ah, that's a great lesson though. Where did you go safe in your home that you're like, oh, we can change that later? I think with my bathroom, I love my bathroom and I was very clear I wanted it to be vintage. It was the Sheila Bridges toile wallpaper and I kind of played a little too off of her toile by keeping it vintage. And now I look at my bathroom, I'm like, why didn't I put like some crazy stone sink in there with like, like a toilet that was even a little off, you know, I like things that are off. So when I create a space that is like too safe for me, I'm like, no, it doesn't feel authentic. It feels like, Ooh, you're scared. You're like, you didn't want to take a risk. So you went obvious. And that's okay. It still looks good and nice, but it's just for me, 
I like to push myself to do things that I haven't seen before. Yeah, it's funny to hear you say that because even that wallpaper to me is slightly rebellious. And I guess rebellion is all relative because that wallpaper, Sheila took this traditional print and modernized it. It's so cool to see that design can be rebellious in that way. And you might not even notice it if you first looked at it, unless you looked at it closely. No, totally. I mean, I love what Sheila did. She basically took toile that was typically very Eurocentric and she made it black. And she made it very black, not just in the people that she put in it, but in the setups that they were doing, like jumping rope or playing basketball. And I guess for me, I was like, oh, she took some risks and she twisted some things. And then I would have wanted to do my own little twist to take it to another level because she already created this vintage vibe. And so it's like, oh, well, how am I going to like put my spin on it? I want to talk about your background a little bit because it's obvious to me that you consider yourself a rebel now, but were you like this as a child? Like when you were a kid, what were you rebelling against or were you not? Were you a rule follower? I was actually a rule follower. I always had a rebellious streak and I just didn't really have an outlet. Creativity isn't something that I grew up with in my house. Not that my family isn't creative, but, you know, Black, African-American, and West Indian, and there's not a lot of support and encouragement around creativity because creativity is a privilege, honestly, that privileged people are able to do. And so I didn't come from privilege. I had to kind of create that world for myself. Very early in my career, I got to work with some amazing people, and I kind of wanted to map my life, not like them, but in my own way. And a lot of the people that I admired and that I worked with were men. And I saw the freedom that they had to actually be themselves. And I was like, I would love to move through this world and not have to conform. And I didn't see a lot of women, whether it was growing up or even in the workplaces I was in, that had the freedom to just do them. And so I was kind of made a conscious effort to try and stay true to who I wanted to be, which was me. I was fortunate. I worked in the music industry, which was very creative. I just decided after coming across some amazing people and even just like, yeah, being in the fashion world and the music world where people were able to express themselves, why can't we all just navigate the world as we are. But it definitely came with challenges and it continues to come with challenges. People didn't necessarily take me seriously because I, you know, I was in a corporate setting and I dressed really cool and crazy and and inappropriately sometimes. (laughs) I remember you saying you dressed, quote, like a weirdo. And I was like, that's so sweet. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Yes. There's no way you looked like a weirdo. I think a lot about fashion in relationship to like dressing yourself and dressing a room. Do you think they're related? Like the way that you dress yourself is you have the similar tenants when you're like putting a room together. Definitely. I've said it. I'm a very emotional dresser. I dress based on how I feel that day. And it's the same way I dress a room. You know, it's a feeling that I want to have and I don't want to tire of it. So as much as I like to do things that are like really rebellious and outside of the box, 
I'd like to do one or two pieces like that and then keep it a little more like, I don't want to tire of this thing. I don't want to be like, why did I do that? Why? Uh, you right. know? <laughs> well, you're sitting in front of a blue wall. Do you think you're going to get tired of that blue? It's risky, right? But no, I mean, this blue creates such a like a great energy and vibe. Do you go to the paint store and just are like, that's the color I like? No. No. Okay. I think it's really hard for me to pick color based on the paints that they offer or even Pantone books. There's so many colors, but there's, it's almost overwhelming. And through a Pantone book, it's not telling you a story, right? So you might look at a Pantone and be like, oh, that looks cool on the little square, but like on like a big old wall, it might be too much, right? Yeah. So I like to reference like actual things like fabric or even if it's like a flower um, or a plant color or just anything, like just in everyday life, if I come across a tile on the street, I like to use those colors because there's something about that color that actually triggered a reaction. And it's like, that's what I want to copy. That's what I want a bigger version of. I don't want to just get the color because of the color. It's how it made me feel, right? Right. I kind of want to go back a little bit to like dressing your body and dressing your room because I feel like a lot of designers think in that way. Like that's why we have Ralph Lauren home. That's why we have off-white furniture. That's why we have like Jenny Kane makes clothing and furniture. Do you think that your clothing should be reflected in your furniture? I mean, I think that not everyone is able to think of color and clothing and texture and all those things in that way. And the people that can do it. Yeah. Even though I might not subscribe specifically to those brands, like I'm going to do my whole house this way. Right. Definitely the story that they're creating helps me create other stories that I might want to include, maybe not to a T, but like a version of it. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's their story. And I think it's great that you can do it through all those different outlets, for sure. When I think of your home, I think of color. And I've said this before that I think color is really hard. Like to put two colors next to each other is really hard. So how do you figure it out? I know that you were saying you go by mood, how a color makes you feel. But how do you know this color next to this color, how that's going to make you feel? Honestly, colors are the hardest thing and because it's the most important thing. And I can honestly say I'm just taking a risk every time, (laughs) you know, just wing it people. A lot of the stuff that, that I want to do is not necessarily hasn't been done in a home. Like I like really bright colors, even like a neon color, but it's like, is that too much for a home? Or maybe it's, of one room, you know, and that was kind of the idea around this room, which isn't like a highlighter blue, but it is a very bright blue. And I knew that if I did something really bright and over the top, I was going to have to do it to death. It kind of a monochromatic, but not so clean or something like a really bright yellow or really bright, you know, I have to complement it with something equally as like bold and crazy. You also took something that's very popular and made it your own, and that's your RH Cloud sofa. Oh, yes. Tell everyone what you did, because I think this is the coolest idea. This sofa is kind of epic. Like, everyone talks about how awesome this sofa is, and you were like, 
I agree, however. Oh my gosh, yes. I actually bought this couch because we were staying in a temporary apartment and our couch was so uncomfortable. And when we were looking for couches, we just found this, the cloud, and we just sat on it and we were like, oh my God, this is the couch. Like we couldn't get up. <laughs> and so it was a white couch, which is not really my style or vibe at all. But just the fact that I knew I could wash the cushions, I was like, okay, bet I can dye them. I can tie dye them. I felt <laughs> like I had a lot of flexibility. And so I picked the most obnoxious color, my favorite color, green. <laughs> because there's something to, you know, the same way fashion right now is having that moment like not everything being so perfect and beautiful. And like, what if you had this just ugly, it's not an ugly color, but it's just not a pretty color, right? You're like taking a risk. I wanted to do that. I was obsessed with this. It was a couch that someone made and it was basically plastic with a bunch of like t-shirts stuffed in the plastic. And I was like, oh my God, this is such a streetwear couch. And so I was like, oh, I want a streetwear couch in my house. Like that makes sense, right? Like I'm yeah. not going to have this crazy designer vintage something. I'm going to have this super basic couch with like a twist because yeah. that's really what streetwear is. It's like a t-shirt or a hoodie, but it's like, what do you do with that? And so I kind of did that with the couch. So do you think you have a streetwear house? <laughs> <laughs> I don't necessarily think so. I mean, a lot of the art that we collect are friends of ours. And so like we do have a couple cause pieces, but I like to mix cause or Marikami with like a, with a Karan Davis a sculpture or something a little more just off. We had this poster in our living room that was framed and uh, the way we framed it didn't necessarily look like a poster. So I think it's like, I guess that's how I like to design a lot of things is just like putting a play on it. Like, I don't want to do something that's just so obviously beautiful or even something that's so obviously tacky. Like, what's the mix between both? Yeah. <laughs> when I think of your art collection, it also is very vivid. And sometimes uh, I think the trend nowadays is that art has to fit within a palette of your home. And it seems like you did not do that. And it looks incredible. Like not everything matches, you know, and it's so cool. I mean, I think what I love even about myself and other people is I love character. And I wanted to create a home that had character. I didn't just want it to have all the right things in it. And so that's why I like, like most of the art I collect is either like from a flea market or it's a friend. There's like some kind of personal attachment to it. Well, I remember one thing that we had talked about a little bit in our interview for the story it was about the design world. You were saying that you didn't think the design world was very inclusive. And I wanted you to elaborate on that and have that conversation on what you meant by saying that. I think whether I'm walking into a showroom or I'm working with a very well-known designer, people always are going to underestimate me because of what I look like. And I also don't, I don't try to put on those airs. Like I don't, like to try and be someone that I'm not. So I think taking something like, you know, design or interiors from my point of view, I want to do different things. People are going to assume that they're tacky things or they're not as tasteful. I got like a lot of mood boards that people 
would submit to me when I was looking for an interior person to help me was just like, I was like, really? You think I would be into that? And I think it's the expectation that like, oh, my design knowledge is probably only here because of my skin color. And I also look really young, which I think factors into it. They're just like, oh, how would you know? But it's just the assumption that people think that they know by looking at me what they're getting themselves into. <laughs> and nobody likes that. Who likes no. to feel like they're being underestimated? Although sometimes I feel like that can be fueled. Did you ever feel like that was your fuel or you're just like, no? I think eventually, I think at first it's frustrating because you can't get a lot of things that you want done because people aren't listening because they think they know better. I mean, my contractor now is amazing, but before that, finding my the contractor to respect that the decisions that I wanted to make were actually like, I knew what I was talking about. It was really hard. I have that experience in the interior world and I don't think I'm different or unique. I think there's a lot of women like myself that experience this. So that's why for me, just putting myself out there as a creative and I'm black and I'm a woman and I think is important. Because it helps other people know that for the next person, it's possible. Exactly. And you seem to be really good at trusting your intuition. But how did you get there? I mean, that's something people strive for. I'm not good at it. (laughs) (laughs) That's the secret. (laughs) That's the secret. I'm not good at it. I have to literally psych myself up. And I think it's just trusting yourself. I think, yeah, even if you are like older and you're like, oh, I'm, you're used to design, you might question now because you're like, oh, I'm not seeing this thing that I want to do out there. Are people going to receive it? I don't think you're even worried about whether it's good or not. You're like, are people going to get it? Am I going to put my energy into creating something that people are just going to fall on deaf ears? And I'm saying, no, please do. Please create it. (laughs) Do it. Take the risk. Because not everybody is going to get it right away. It might take them seeing it a couple times. Like it is now, it's like a rhythm. And it's like, what is that for your art? What is that for the thing that you're trying to say, the story you're trying to tell? How would you like to see the design world specifically change? I would like to see the design world not be as judgmental. I mean, hey, like, you know, I did go to art school and I remember not liking art history because I never saw myself in it. I was like, there's no way we've gone to all these museums and we read all these amazing artists and there's not one black person. I mean, now it's a different time and I think kids are now learning about new artists, but for the longest, I wasn't getting that in my teachings, you know, whether it was like art or even books or there's like such a huge time period that black specific art wasn't acknowledged unless it was photography. And it's still like, even how you see black people, it's beautiful to see us poor and tragic and all the things. And it's like that plays something on us when we keep seeing that it makes you say like, oh, I don't see you unless you look like this or look like that. And just even the power of art. And I, because I know how powerful it is, I know how important it is just to like, to be open-minded and to really empower people that you might not necessarily understand, but have something to say. I feel like when you couldn't find something in your home specifically, like you made it. Like, for example, like you made your own wallpaper. 
How did you do that? Walk me through it. (laughs) It was a graphic that I had made. Actually, this woman, Whitney, created this picture of the back of a, a woman's head. And I don't know, I just wanted to make it as wallpaper. And it was really just like sizing it up. I like wallpaper that's just like, it's like a bunch of small patterns, whether it's like florals or symbols. And I wanted to create something like that that was so small, you couldn't really tell what it is, but it actually had a meaning behind it. And so she created this motif and another friend who's a designer, Michelle, she helped do the graphics for it. And then I was able to go through Spoonflower and create it. And it's just, again, like with technology, like I really enjoy making things like wallpaper, even my own fabric, made my own fabric like for Beffy's Beauty Supply. And I made it for this Jordan collaboration that I did. And I just really like the idea of textiles. And when I was going to going to art school, design school, I never wanted to take the textile course. And I'm like, now I'm like, oh my God, textiles is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> There's time. You can always take There's time. There's time. But no, I really, I really like texture and just all kinds of texture. And I feel like whether it's silk or even just like, like even a Sharpay or something that you wouldn't expect that's just like really thick. I really, really like textiles. And that's, I think, what draws me to interiors is being able to like, you know, redesign a couch, which I want to do, you know, just like changing the cushions and, and even just like the wood, how it stands. Like, I think that's really fun to do. Yeah. You mentioned texture and someone on Team Domino really wanted me to ask you why you chose Roman clay on your walls over lime wash. So do you have an explanation? Okay. So I learned a lot about Roman clay. I didn't expect it. I think because my ceilings aren't so high, it created a different pattern than the boards that I was referencing, Uh which was very Parisian or Italian, like high ceilings. And so definitely with the Roman clay, it works better. It looks more like a stucco when you have more space to do movement. And so it looks almost like a suede wall, which is cool. It's just a different effect. And I chose that because a lot of my living room and my dining room, I used a lot of the lime wash and I wanted the contrast of both textures. And that's why I love textures. I like to take something that's really rough and random with something smooth and simple. I always like to have a juxtaposition. And so it's like, like with my high and low, like I like to have totally the street warehouse, the street warehouse. (laughs) Sorry. That's what it is. Uh, (laughs) I want to know what's something people told you not to do that you were like, screw it, I'm doing this anyway. Oh my God, everything. Literally everything. (laughs) Like my life is just one big, I did it anyway. I think how I go into things, I'm not like a big planner. Huh. That's just who I am. I'm just a very laissez-faire kind of person. And I think that probably uh, scares a lot of people. (laughs) And I've learned that actually not planning my life has works way better because the expectations I'm able to be happier because I'm not expecting my life to be this way. Because really in life, we have no control 
And right. it is what it is, you know, it's just right. the universe is going to give you things that you're not going to expect. And it's like, how are you going to roll with the punches? And I think that's how I live my life. It's like, I really enjoy problem solving. I mean, obviously, when you're problem solving, and you're like, okay, and it's the worst ever, you know, you're depressed, you're sad, you're all the things. I understand it's really hard to get back up again, especially when they're things that are out of our control. But I do think that with little things that we might have a little more control over, but we can just kind of let it go and let it just be what it is. I think that just that leads to a happier life because you're just like living in the moment as opposed to living in where the future should be. So what's your next act of rebellion? You just did another Jordan. Was this yes. the first or was this? Was no, this was the first. I've done other shoes with Nike, but this was the first Jordan by myself. The other shoes with Nike are with Union Los Angeles with my husband, Chris, who designs. And there's a whole activation for it. So that's in the works. And really just focusing on like creating more visual projects, whether it's with a narrative or without. So yeah, so that's kind of what's next. I just love your world and I am so happy to have you on this podcast. It just, I feel like everyone needs to uh, hear the gospel of Beth. We're going to play Never Have I Ever and then I'm going to let you go, but I'm going to read you the prompt and then you have to say if you've done it or if you haven't done it. So never have I ever accidentally killed a plant. I have killed plants. I'm like, have I ever? Have I ever? <laughs> it's, it's a challenge. It's a struggle, but I'm figuring it out. Never have I ever bought a piece of furniture at Target. Oh, have I ever? Yes, of course I have. You have Target's great. Okay, never have I ever fought with a significant other over a decor item. You know what? Never have I ever. Never you guys don't fight about decor? No, he's very laid back Canadian. He does not really. That's amazing. Like I want him to have more of a say, but (laughs) he just, he's like, do you? I'm like, what? So, but it's us. Yes. I mean, outside of like certain things, he, he'll he just do it. Okay. He'll just bring in like this art piece or purchase this lamp, but it's not really a conversation. He's like, do you yeah. and I'll do me. And that's kind All of right. how, that's our design style. <laughs> Never have I ever hung art upside down. Never have I ever. I do not hang art because I will hang it upside down. <laughs> <laughs> Last one, never have I ever cried while building Ikea furniture. Oh, have I ever? Oh my God. You have? Yes, of course. I mean, and some of the Ikea furniture has come out to be classics. Like I do think Ikea is different in that sense. That's true. Yeah. Like some of it, like there's like vintage Ikea now. I know. I know. It's worth a lot. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, like I got rid of that. Or I still have that. Yes, those instructions are a nightmare. I don't know who they're for. Hold on to that Ikea, though. Who would have known they would have been classic? Well, that's all I have. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. When I found out that I was doing this podcast, my one and really only request in the whole process was that Shadi Al-Hindi the head of IT at our parent company, Recurrent, read the closing credits. And I know that might sound funny, but Shadi has a voice that I swear could sue the 100 crying babies. And I know this because sometimes when my computer's not working, I am that crying baby. 
And just hearing him talk instantly lowers my blood pressure. You will hear what I mean in just a second. I'm so excited to share Shadi and his beautiful voice with the world. Take it away, Shadi. Hello, I'm Shadi Al-Hindi, and contrary to popular belief, I am not a voiceover actor, yet at least. But I am the vice president of technology at Recurrent, Domino's parent company. Julie's asked me to read the credits to the podcast you've just heard. I blindly said yes, so I think that makes me a rebel too. And here we are. Design Time, The Rebellious Ones is hosted by Julie Fadnall and produced by Ali Alquiza, with special thanks to Lindsay Mather, Britt Ashcraft, Claire Urshishon, Michaela Klein, Kim Gray, Lindsay DeSimone, and Maria Luna. Our Chief Content Officer is Kate Berry. Our theme music is by the talented Alex Weinstein. And I'm Shadi Al-Hindi, Vice President of Technology at Recurrent Ventures. If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. See you all next week, right here on Design Time, The Rebellious Ones.